Hello and welcome to the Jeffrey Podcast. My name is Gordon and this podcast is about music where me and my brother John Hello. talk through the career and albums of our featured artist. We pick our favourite tracks along the way and rank them and create a playlist. The playlists are on Spotify, the links to which you can find on our social network pages. Um, we have Facebook, Twitter and Instagram although I don't know how well the Instagram page will be, as uh, trying to work out how to do an audio page on a website set up to display pictures. You're not sounding very confident about that, being a roaring success, are you really? Well, I need to look at how other podcasts do it and maybe work out how, how, how I can do it. Right. But, uh, we have there can be some links on there. We have a very half-hearted social media presence. <laughs> yes, we try to do our best with it. Well, I challenge that. Yeah, well, uh, we sort of do it when we feel like it. Yeah. Anyway, you can find us on those pages. This episode is about Komeda, the Swedish indie pop band. So we first start saying where we found them, and I know our story is basically the same here. So you can kick us off. Well, it's literally the same. I think we we're in the same room at the same t- at the time. We, uh, assuming I've remembered it correctly, but Komeda weren't particularly well known in the UK. They were much bigger, obviously, in their native Sweden and also in the US. But we didn't know this at the time. They were hardly known at all in the UK. But we used to video certain MTV shows that were on quite late at night. So we could watch them back in the morning and zip through and just see what if we could find any interesting bands. And Komeda were on that. I don't know what song it was. I'm guessing it would have been something like It's Alright Baby or something like that. One of the sort of hits at the time. The first song I heard was um, Rocket Plane. Okay. Well, one of those sort of hits from that period is is, is going to be so. Um, but we saw them on there and we thought, wow, this is brilliant. You know, this is really, really fun, really uh, quite fresh sounding pop. And from there, we just really got into them. And it's not a great story, but that's what happened. Is that how you remember the story? Or do you, have I got this wrong? No, that's how I remember it, really. I mean, Kameda never really had a particular presence in this country. So there's no no sort of live gigs or anything that I that I remember so it's just basically I, I seem to remember quite it being rocket plane on MTV and then we went out and bought the re- bought the records and I think but even they were fairly hard to find I mean there was and this was pre-internet so bands didn't have really have websites so trying to get any information on from them was like pulling teeth you just couldn't get anything and, yeah. and they didn't exactly put lots in the CD notes either so it's not like you could open it up and, and discover loads of information. They were not very forthcoming with telling their fan base what was going on and who they were and what they're up to. Yeah, I think that's right. Their their last album, I think, does have a website address on it. But if you actually look for that, it then just took you to the record label in America. So they didn't, I think, even have a website at any point. Yeah, and that was in 2002, so... I mean, we know um, from from because an interview we did with Marcus Holmberg, who is the bass player in Kameda, that full interview will be released separately as a separate podcast following this. So we actually, we do know now a lot more about what was going on. But that was the only way we could actually find out <laughs> was to actually contact Marcus directly and, and speak to him. And he was very, extremely gracious, a lovely fella. Um, so we do actually have quite a bit of information that we can share about the band as we go through this now. But at the time... We were scratching around, couldn't find anything, didn't know anything about them, had no information virtually at all. They'd never played any gigs. It was uh, really quite frustrating because they were they were such a different sounding, very sort of 
indie pop band they were just very different from what much else that was around at the time so you wanted to kind of know more and and engage with them more and they they just you couldn't get hold of them you couldn't get your fingertips on them they were you know just not available shall we start let's okay so the first album which of course we didn't didn't get at the time and it wasn't released i don't think outside of sweden initially from 1993 is pop pav which um, means pop in, in Sweden. It's sung entirely in Swedish, and it was just released in Sweden, I think, on their, their local label, which was North of North South. So let's do the lineup, actually. We haven't done that. So we have Lena Carlson on vocals, Jonas Holmberg on drums, Marcus Holmberg on bass, and at this point we have Henrik Andersen um, on guitar. Yeah, and they are four school friends, really, that kind of grew up in Umea. Umea. I'm losing confidence about pronunciation now. Umea. It definitely was Umea. Umea. Thank you. In uh, northish Sweden and made this album. And uh, well, we should sort of say a little bit more about them actually because, uh, as I say, there is so little information. But they, they were from from being sort of teenagers, we were playing together for, and, and, and that was that kind of big thing. And as Marcus told us, there wasn't a huge amount else to do at the time in the town. It was a fairly small town in those days. So they were just kind of riding their bikes to the studio and just practicing all day. And eventually they got the opportunity, or they, they asked for the opportunity to play as a pit band for some silent music festival. But they were already going before then. And then that evolved into them eventually making this album. Yeah. And what do you think of the album? Um, when I first heard it, I wasn't sure. Because it was the of the of the albums, it wasn't the first one I heard. I wasn't entirely sure. And because it's in Swedish, it's, quite, it's just a bit harder to get hold of if you're not a Swedish speaker, which I'm not. And therefore, it's harder to sort of sing along to or to really kind of get the, the meaning behind a lot of it. So at the beginning, I wasn't particularly sure about it. I quite liked it, but it didn't stand up compared to the other albums that I that I knew and loved by that point. But more recently, I've been listening to it a lot more in preparation for this primarily and in preparation for speaking to Marcus. And I really started to get into it a lot more and started to like it a lot more. So it really has grown on me from at first not being entirely sure about it, thinking it wasn't didn't have that special spark that we felt was in the other albums. It's really sort of grown on me as being really quite a, an interesting album, but still I feel there's a barrier there. That the, the language barrier kind of frustrates me a little bit, so I'd quite like to be able to engage with it more. What do you think? Pretty much an identical opinion. I would say I, I did find it a little bit more accessible at first, especially the first sort of half of the album. I thought it, it is quite still quite poppy and you can sort of there is something to latch on to and enjoy i do think obviously it being swedish lyrics although it's not off-putting in itself the fact that on the other albums i do enjoy the lyrics on those those albums so you don't have that here yeah that's a very good point so so if you get kind of the the difference between between the two so and I, like yourself, obviously for this, I've been listening to the album quite a lot more. And it has grown on me a lot. I do like it a lot more, especially, I would say, speaking very roughly, the first half is quite poppy. And the second half is a lot less so and a little bit more experimental. And I I, I think the whole thing has just, just grown on me a lot more. Yeah, and interestingly, this was written in English. They did write the initial lyrics in English. And then it was Jonas, the drummer, who suggested that they translate it all to Swedish. So they went through and translated it all to Swedish. I kind of wish they hadn't. I wish he hadn't had that idea. I wish they'd left it in English just for my sake. 
and uh, and then I think I would like it more. And I know that's a ridiculous thing to say. That sounds so such a sort of provincial comment, but it does. It is a barrier because, as you said, the lyrics are so much fun on their other albums, and so I feel like I'm missing out. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. It's a shame they didn't record it and then change the mind. Then we'd have two versions to compare. Yeah, that's a good point. About. Yeah, that's a good point. So the lyrics might be also brilliant, but we don't know. <laughs> Let's assume they are, but we don't understand them. And uh, I, I think it does. It means we can't. I think 100% fully enjoy it as perhaps a Swedish person can. Yeah, yeah. So what were your favourite tracks then? Should we go to the tracks? Well, going back to what I said before about being sort of half a pop album and then I think the sort of the second half or maybe the last third certainly is less poppy, a little bit more experimental. So I would suggest that we pick one track from each side of that. Okay. So I think track one is the most poppy and likeable. Are you not going to try and say the name? Um, okay. Um, it's like Oj Vilket Liv. Okay. That is one um, of my favourites as well. Okay. So are you happy to pick that? Um, well, let me just say a word for Bonjour Tristesse, which I really like as well. It's obviously not Swedish, that title, but yeah. um, I do really like that one as well. And I don't know where Feeling Fine sits. There's Feeling Fine, which again is obviously not a Swedish title, but mm. does that fit inside one or side two? It's it. it I'm not sure. It's prob. It's probably. Although this was never released on vinyl, but um, I I would expect it to be probably the first track on side two, and then it goes a little bit more experimental, and that's kind of like to ease you in. So is that like the last pop track? Yeah, I th- I think so. Because medicine okay. is the track before it, which is a little instrumental track, and I think that's probably the end of side one. Okay. And then side two starts with a pop track, and then it's like, okay, we're going a bit bit bonkers now okay so so our first track is going to be either Ojvilket Liv or Bonjour Tristesse so either the first track or the second track okay um so let's let's go back to that in a second and let's see how we feel about our side two track what are your thoughts there I think of those tracks I've and again I've no idea how to pronounce this but my favorite is the track 11 is it Glod or Glud I'd say Glod I put that more as an O because it's got the umlaut on the O. Yes. I don't know if that's from my German lessons when I was a kid. I don't know if that applies in Swedish. I think so. I asked my wife and she said it was probably Glud. Okay. Who I defer to on on language. Well, yeah. Being a professional linguist, that does make sense. Indeed, yeah. She knows what I'm talking about. Oh, so she knows what she's talking about. Yeah. I can't imagine she knows what you're talking about, but... No, she, um, she often doesn't. No, I'm with her there. But um, that would be a podcast in itself, fella. Yes. I had Borgo, which I liked a lot, and Snurrig Bossanova and Feeling Fine as my kind of favourites there on that side. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to I want to resist Feeling Fine because I think that's very much in the pop yeah. camp. Yeah, it is a little bit. It sounds... Yeah, okay. Well, if you want to pick Glud from your pick for the one, then we could go for my pick on the first half. Or the other way around. We have your pick from the first half and my pick from the second. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So we'll go with Glude. Glude and Bonjour Tristesse. Bonjour Tristesse. I think as well, just because it is, it, because it's harder to remember the titles of the songs as well, it's harder to actually remember the song. So when you're saying, when, when I was listening to it, I kept having to go, I kept thinking, oh, this is good. What is it again? And kept having to go back and check. So I found it harder to, to engage and remember the album as well. 
Yeah, I, I yeah, I agree. But I mean, looking at my list, I think I kind of agree on the so- the songs that I prefer. So I've got the Surig Bossanova as, and the Borgo was my sort of favourite on the second half as well. Did you have Bonjour Tristesse in the first? Yeah, yeah, of course. I have to say, I think the top, the first, every track up until Feeling Fine, with the exception of Medicine, I've kind of got very high. Right. And then it tails off a little bit as it becomes a little bit less accessible, but not that much, I have to say. Okay, so... So we have our tracks there. Right. So, after that album, Henrik Anderson, the guitarist, leaves the group and is replaced by Mafia Snorlander, who is um, the guitarist in a band called Blythe, who are coming coming to an end, and he joins Kameda. They then release an EP, Plan 714 till Kameda, and then shortly after that, there is their album, The Genius of Kameda. This is 1996. This one is entirely in English, and I think it's also their first as well released in America and in the UK. So this is, I think, when they started started to be noticed over there. Well, they're on Minty Fresh now, aren't they? They are, yes. They have a sort of worldwide distribution deal with those, I think. By worldwide, I think possibly America and UK. But Yeah, North and North South had that distribution deal with Minty Fresh. So they start now issuing these on Minty Fresh, yeah. Yeah, so what do you think of Genius of Kameda? Well, I think it's well-titled, really. I mean, it's brilliantly packaged. And it, the, the cover's brilliant, the... Uh, the internal cover of this is absolutely hilarious. It's it's got pictures of fake back catalogue going back through decades, imagining that they had been around since the sort of fifties or something, with all these ridiculous, ridiculously funny album covers and album titles that were sort of reminiscent of the relevant time. So it's packaged as if it were a best of, and it's just very humorously done. And even just like the cover photo, although it's just a picture of them all looking very serious, there's something quite humorous about it. The title's humorous, The Genius of Kameda. So there's just something very understatedly witty about everything about this, I think, which is just utterly charming. And when we were chatting to Marcus about it, we sort of were asking him about this, and he said that actually they really took themselves very seriously and they were very, very confident and really believed in themselves. So they were doing this kind of humorous thing to sort of take the edge off it. And I think I was thinking about this afterwards. It works because they're so bloody good. I think... If you try and do that humorous thing and you're not that good, you run the risk of being a novelty act. But they were humorous, but they were really good and they had that substance to them at the same time. So it comes across as just these sort of witty, clever packaging around this band. And I think that no, it doesn't, no more so than in this album. So that's just the first point. It's just brilliantly packaged and, you know, wittily packaged. And then the music, again, it's just fantastic pop. I don't know what else to say. I like every song. It's just, they're all pop masterpieces. <laughs> it's just really, really good. I don't know what else to say. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I I agree with everything you've said. I think compared to their other stuff, it's a little bit more sort of alt-rock, which basically I think means there's a bit more guitar in it than the, the other al- albums. But yeah, it, it, is, it is fittingly titled. There isn't a bad song on it. Even In Orbit, which is 24 seconds, is brilliant. <laughs> I, I had this as my ringtone for a while in orbit oh, when you? I worked out the technology to do it. Yeah, and then I had to take it off because I never answered my phone because it was playing and I was just to listening listen to, to it in orbit. Right. Yeah. No, it's it is. It's just so good. Every song's great. I'm sorry. It's your. This is you. Go on. Sorry. No, no, no. I was just. I think I'm, I feel a bit like yourself. 
there's like you can't really be just sit here and be gushing about it but it is brilliant and i I just my brain was just starting to think about the tracks because i'm finding it hard enough to pick tracks for for me and i know obviously you're going to i'm just wondering where you're you're going to go on this yeah that is difficult to know what to what to pick because i do like them all i think possibly the what was initially my favorite track was frolic i don't know if it is my favorite track anymore but that was initially probably my favorite track um rocket plane because it's the first one we heard more is more is a great song that's just a brilliant way the album opens and i know they, they used to open some of their live acts with more is more uh i really like light of my life as well so I would kind of round it down. I, I do like Boogie Woogie Rock and Roll, but it's only like 1 minute 58 seconds, so that feels like a bit of a wasted opportunity, although it's a great song. So I would round it down to Ivor Frolic, Light of My Life, More Is More, or Rocket Plane. How do you feel about okay. those four as a way of bringing 10 down to four? Right, because I, I think probably... You see, my favourite tracks, I think... I'll start with Disco. Okay. Which I love, and makes me laugh every time, because the, the intro... The way that it just goes on a little bit too long, so it's just a tiny little bit awkward. That makes me <laughs> giggle every single time I hear it. And I'd also throw in there um, Top Star. Okay. Which I just love so much. And the way that the, the tempo changes and it just keeps bouncing back in between. Okay, so we've gone off to have a little listen to a couple of those songs and decide to try and help us make a decision here. And it's now more complicated because I'd forgotten how much I liked Disco. And I agree with you about that beginning. It just does go on too long, which is, again, it just feels like a humorous decision. Top Star I like slightly less. And I forgot to mention If, which I really like. Yeah, it is. I don't, going out and just listening to a little clip of all the songs didn't... I backfired a bit, didn't it, it did. in terms of helping? Yeah. I know, because now, now I like, I've got more of them now starred. Yeah, because it just reminds you how great all the songs are. Yeah. Rather than where in your head you thought, oh no, these two are the best. So, <laughs> what, I, what about Light of My Life and Disco? Uh, well, I was going to suggest the same thing, actually. So, I, I guess I would agree then. <laughs> I'm trying, just trying to balance be a little bit more representative of the album, because I think, like, for example, because Disco and Top Star are probably my the two kind of I pick, but I like them for similar reasons. Yeah. So because Light of My Life is a bit more mid-tempo and a little bit different. Yeah. So we're representing the album a bit better, I think, if we if we do those two. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a nice balance. And they're both crackers, so I'm quite happy with that. They're both brilliant songs. So, yeah. God, that was really tough. I sort of feel we have to move on dead quick, just because before I change my mind a hundred times. I mean, it just does. It's such an, an excellent album. And it is a it is a little bit different to the. I think you can with all four albums. They all do have their identity, don't they? Yes. And this one, I think, has its. It's a little bit more guitar led than the other ones, or certainly than the two following. And I think it's probably heavier jazz influenced. Would you say? It seems a bit jazzier to me than the, than their other work. I mean, they were always quite eclectic in their in their influences, and a lot of their influences aren't musical. They come from theatre or th- film or you know other kind of arts they've always been very sort of eclectic so it wasn't entirely well obviously Kameda as well they're named after Christoph Kameda who um you know did jazzy type stuff so yeah well film soundtracks and and jazz yeah and and jazz so I'm not answering your question at all am I don't know I don't know is it a bit jazzier maybe maybe it's difficult to say because yeah I don't know sorry waffle waffle alert shut up (laughs) 
So we've got Disco and Light of My Life on the list. So we need to sort out the rank, which I think we're not going to have to discuss for too long. Genius of Comedia to the top? Of course, yeah. Easy one. I think it is, yes. So we jump to 1998 when they release What Makes It Go, which is um, a lot poppier, I think. A bit sort of a fuller sound, maybe? Yeah, I think that's fair. But I, I think we're going to have a similar discussion, are we, about this album when we get to what we think about it. Because I think this is um, similar to Genius of Commedia in terms of standard. I just think it. I just think it's brilliant. Again, I like every track. Yeah, I'd agree. I just I think it's it, it's a very worthy follow up to what was a, such a, a cracking album, and it's as good. Maybe it's all the songs are, again. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I like all of them, and but it, it does have a different feel, a different sense, as you say. Maybe it's a bit poppier, a bit sharper, a bit tighter. But yeah, I like I like all the songs, it's, and I think it's just such a good album. I, I, I don't know what else to say. I'm, I'm just gushing about it because it is so good. I think that's the problem, is when something is so good, it does actually give you less to say. It does, doesn't it? You know, constructive criticism. Well, um, it, it, it's easier. Not much fun, is it, listening to two people just banging on about how good it is? It's much more fun yeah. listening to people criticise everything. But sorry about that, yeah. listener. But it's just it's just a really... Is it such a good album? These are just two absolute gems, these two albums, I think. Yeah. I would just also mention here that if you do teach English, you can use the song Curious um, to demonstrate conju- <laughs> I'll say conjugation of a verb. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am curious. He is curious. Yeah, so you can use track three, Curious to demonstrate conjugation of the verb to be if you teach English, which again was pointed out by my wife, you would not be surprised. And again, it's packaged well. I mean, the the cover I don't like as much as the Genius Of. I think the Genius Of is a better cover, but it's still, it's a, it's a good cover. And then there's, again, there's something about it which just has that touch of humour, not as obviously as in the Genius Of, but there is just something about it which just sort of has a kind of a wit flowing through it do you know what i mean even the name what makes it go yeah i mean definitely it does have that sort of joy about the cover and because you open it up and there's the pictures of them all pointing and things yeah i mean it obviously it's you know it's, it's not as good packaging as genius of Commedia, but how many albums are well i don't think any albums as good as that we should we should have, i suppose mentioned in the first album pop Pasvenska, although the covers are sort of a fairly plain yellow with some lines on it initially that was intended to be have embossed or relief cover wasn't it so even then they were think they were thinking about the whole package as a as an artistic statement it wasn't just here's an album and here's a, a crappy cover it was all well thought through but even though like with with the first album i'll let you say there's lines on it but actually that's quite comical as well because then you realize those lines are actually their legs and if you follow the lines <laughs> round that's true it, it's a band picture on, on the back <laughs> that's true i'd forgotten that yeah so what makes it go are we we going to have the same sort of tussle in terms of trying to pick a couple of tracks here yeah i expect so or or, i mean maybe not so do you have a favorite track well again i I, I can round uh, binario i really like the first track binario and i love the sort of bass twang at the beginning but i really like that and i think that sets up that song really well it's all right baby is just such a brilliant pop song afterwards that follows on from that and, and track two so both of those songs i think are great cul-de-sac i really like um which i'm presuming is named after the the christoph Komeda album and the last track a simple formality i think is probably the best track on it i think maybe 
But again, it's so hard to say because I like them all. But maybe those would be the four that stand out. I mean, I would say A Simple Formality and Cul-de-Sac are the complete standout tracks. Oh, then I really love Happy Mint as well. So I would throw that in the mix. But we have an overlap here of two songs. Yeah, well, I mean, perhaps that's the answer then. Curious, I actually like a bit less. To be honest, it's one of the songs I do like slightly less than the others. But apart from that, yeah, I, I, I like them all. They're all just such great pop songs. It, I mean, it is another example that every song is good, um, at least, if not better than good. So I will put these two on our playlist. So where do we rank what makes it go? Well, that's a difficult one. I think it is. Because... I think I know what... what well, I'm expecting you to favour the genius of Commedia because what makes it go is a little poppier. And as we know, you can be a little bit sniffier about poppier albums sometimes. I, well, as, I've ex- as, as I may have explained, I can't remember. I may have just said it in my head. My, my sniffiness about pop comes from its superficiality. So I don't mind pop. Well, no, two things. Superficiality and short shelf life. Those are my, my sniffiness comes from that because it doesn't feel like... Pop music to me feels like it's a very throwaway thing which just gives you a fun melody to sing for a few days before you get bored of it. And in its sense, it doesn't really mean anything beyond that. So as long as pop either doesn't get boring or is attempting to, to be a little bit more deep or meaningful or, or something, then I'm quite happy with it. It's just that short shelf life superficiality side of pop that I object to. Mm-hmm. So that kind of hit factory stuff which was around in that Stock Aitken and Waterman in the 80s, I guess... And then a lot of the stuff that comes out, that kind of pop idol or stuff that's happened since, to me feels very much like that conveyor belt of meaningless, quite melodic, relatively dull stuff. That's what I don't like. But that doesn't mean there isn't pop stuff I do like, because there is. For example, this. But that's the bar I do. That's a high bar, but that's the bar I put in place. But Kameda leap leap that bar without any issue. But yeah, I probably still would just about put the genius of above what makes it go i probably so having gone on about it for the past however many minutes i've just been bank rattling on basically yeah you're right (laughs) yeah i thought this would happen but it's uh, it's very very close yeah i agree i mean historically certainly back in the 90s when we were listening to them i was always say what makes it go I preferred that over the genius of Kameda. Having listened back, I don't really think there's much between them. I've re- I've rated the songs and then done all the sums, and it depends what you did. What I did initially was because they all have a little instrumental track on. I took that out and then rated them. In which case, what makes it go comes out on top. If you put the little instrumental tracks back in, genius of Kameda then wins. So you've got like quite a scientific method here. Well, it, it gives me a starting point because sometimes you'd then just ignore it and think, oh no, that's actually better than that. It it, it sort of helps kind of um, get my mind, trying to sort my mind out in what I actually think and rating stuff against each other. Well, but basically, I think what I'm coming to is they're basically about even for me. Yeah, I mean, the the I, I would sort of agree with you. There are certainly times when I've rated what makes it go above A Genius of Comedia, definitely because it's such a, an accessible album of just such great songs that, as I say, don't get boring despite being accessible. So I certainly have rated what makes it go above the genius of, and I'd certainly if you were making that argument, I, would, I wouldn't I would stand my ground or anything. I'd be quite happy to swap those two around. So I don't know. I mean, 
I'd say if you want to make that argument, that's absolutely fine by me. Yeah, I, I don't think I do because I, I just have them so so equal. I don't. It's hard to say because I, I I think sometimes I probably like what makes it go a little bit better most of the time, but it, I don't I don't know. But I, I've really you know both albums are just such brilliant albums. I think well let's just leave it as it is. Well, we're not allowed to have a tie. We no, made that decision last time. That. We made that decision last time that when we were talking about Deus, we made the decision that we weren't allowed to have a tie. So let's leave it then as is. Okay. With Genius of being slightly higher by a whisker. So after What Makes It Go, Matthias Norlander left the group. So they're left without a guitarist, but they decide to carry on as a, a three-piece they are at this point beginning to make it big in terms of certainly get more recognition. They've got tracks on soundtracks and still got videos on MTV. So the band make a decision not to move out to America. And also at this time, all three members of the band are hit by bereavement, which also affects affects them, obviously. And it's also, I think, ref- is reflected in, in the album itself. Obviously, we didn't know any of this until we spoke to Marcus. So this album is is quite different in tone. This is quite a few years later. This is 2003. They've been gone through bereavement, losing their parents. So they've gone through this difficult period. So it's got, as you say, it's got a very different tone. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we, we didn't realise this at the time, and it, but listening back, it makes a lot of sense now to, to know this because it is, in place, it's sort of quite dark and melancholic while still being Kameda. Yeah, I mean, they would, Marcus was saying that they, they kind of got a lot more experimental and a lot of these songs were never actually played as songs. They just put together in the studio. So it's, a, it's a much more different style. And obviously they've lost their main guitarist, although I know Lena can play guitar and, and, and I'm sure um, Jonas and Marcus probably can as well. But um, it is a, it, that obviously that process is going to make it different as well. Uh, but then Marcus said, yeah, let's just try and write some pop songs as well. So they also... It's kind of a bit of a mix. Some of it's quite poppy and comedo, and some of it is quite, as you say, darker and got a much more melancholic sound. And it's got songs on it like Dead, which is not exactly a subtle title. No, that one's not cryptic. No, not really. What do you think of it, though? Um, I, I still really, really like this album. I think they've kept the standard not quite up to the previous albums, but not that far off either. I do think there are, there are a couple of tracks that I like a little bit less. But I think for for most of the album, has it got? I think it's got ten tracks, hasn't it? I think you've still got sort of eight eight tracks that are just really really good as well. Yeah, I just I sort of again agree with agree with you really. Boringly, I'm sorry, I'm not. Just, we're not we're not going to come to blows on this one. I think that's about right. I think it, it it's it is quite a different that being quite a different sound meant that initially I didn't warm to it as much. And uh, but more and more listens, I've really got into it, and I found some of it really quite moving. And as much as I loved the other Commander albums, I wouldn't say I found them moving. But in this one, I've, I found this a much more emotional experience. There's some songs in here which really, you know, I, I find are quite emotional. But it's not as poppy, or as accessible, or as immediately fun as their other albums by any stretch. But it would have been, I think, quite an interesting step in a different direction. Of how, because by this point they would have been in the thirties. Uh, they're now just a three-piece again. They must they must have been going through life changes, not just from bereavement, but just by being in their thirties. So it would have been an interesting step forward. Like, where do you take a band next? And this would have been a really interesting step 
to say, well, we're going to try and do this. It's a bit more experimental, a little bit poppy, a bit deeper, you know, a bit more, you know, there's a sadness in there. I think it would have been a really interesting step and I would have been really intrigued to know where they'd have gone next, which unfortunately was nowhere, at least not as Kameda. But I think that's a, it's a pity. To me, it kind of like would have been a really interesting sort of signpost album onto something else. Yeah, definitely. I mean, all all their albums, I think, are good and they're all a little bit different. So it would suggest that the next album would have been very good and a little bit different. So obviously, you definitely want them to continue. Obviously, it didn't happen. And they, as Marcus said, they, they ran out of steam a bit and they they moved to another record label here and they weren't getting on as well with that record label. And I think the momentum just just fell away. Yeah, I, I, I think that's it really, isn't it? They they just kind of drifted away and eventually Marcus moved to Stockholm and it just kind of stopped happening and they just started doing other things. Um, but I think that's, it is a pity from our point of view as a fans that we would have liked to have seen where, where would they have taken this next. But anyway, we didn't get that. But we did get this fourth album, which does take a few more listens to really kind of get to grips with. Uh, but really worth the effort of doing so because there's a real lot on here that's good stuff. What are your tracks then? Because I, I have a feeling we're not going to agree here. No, I, I agree. I think I think it's hard to consider not putting Brother on. Okay. I just it, it's amazing track, and and that does have that sort of that sort of mid pace sort of melancholia on it, and I just it's just a beautiful track. The other one I might suggest, I again, is one of the pop tracks, and that's Victory Lane, which I really love. Okay. Um, it's very jolly, and um, some nice sort of twangy bass in there from Marcus, which I always makes me smile when I hear it. So they, I've, that would be my starting point, those two tracks. Okay, well, um, my starting point was going to be Catcher, which, but I think it's too similar to Brother, so I don't think we should put them both on by any means, but... Catcher to me was one of the ones that I, I love the vocal, although it's Jonas singing, it's not um, Lena. I really love the vocal on that, even though it's quite limited. You know, his his singing range is pretty limited, but it's just something about it. He, he gets something across in that, which which I really liked. It gave me goose pimples. But I think it's too similar to Brother um, to put both of those on. So I'm very happy to go with Brother because that is, as you say, a really beautiful song. So I will drop Catcher from my list and we'll put brother the other thought i had was out from the rain i do like victory lane as well by the way and i'm i'm likely to just seed on this but before i do i just want to mention out from the rain which i really liked as well yeah that's kind of has sort of a quite a 60s feel to it and that's quite sort of it again it's a sort of a mid-tempo one um but i mean i'm, I'm happy to it, go with victory lane so, so I, don't, I don't particularly want to make the case for out for the rain out from the rain because i think yeah. victory lane's a better balance to brother i mean the the only other one i think i've got nonsense yeah. quite high up as well and so that's obviously that's another one of the pop because they start with a few pop tracks and then it it goes a bit sort of darker so i would maybe say if you weren't that happy with victory lane to maybe pick nonsense which again is a really good pop track yeah it, i mean it is uh, and i do like that i also like fade in fade out I do like Blossom as well, uh, not quite as much. Um, that was written for the soundtrack of something, Powder, Powder Puff Girls? Um, P- Power Puff, I think. Power Puff, right. Power Puff Girls, I believe. So I think that was written slightly before. To me, that feels a little bit like sort of Kameda by Numbers. It's almost like somebody ordered a Kameda track, so they wrote a Kameda track. 
but it's good. I just don't feel it's got quite. I don't think it's quite as good as the songs that sit around it. Yeah, no, I would agree. So I'm happy to go with Victory Lane with Brother. I think that's quite a nice balance representative of the album. Yes, I agree. So we did actually agree in the end. Yeah. There was no fighting. Well, yeah, because they were kind of my top with with Catcher and Out From The Rain. They were my top four, probably. Yeah, they were my top four. God, that is so good, that song, Brother, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Although although the listener won't know it, I did go off and have a sneaky listen in the middle of that conversation. I've actually got tears in my eyes now. So, ranking the album. Right, well, when we started this, before we did the sort of research and listened to it all again and really went deep, Kameda, this to me was lower down, and it's it's grown on me so much, this album, that I might... I I still don't know where to put it now. I don't know where I'm going to conclude this sentence. But there was a brief moment it ended up at top, then it went second, then it went third. I, I think, for me, the... The bottom album has to be Pop Pasvenska. And I don't know exactly where this album goes in the among the other three. Probably third, but that just feels ridiculous for such a, a moving album. Yeah, I, I do think it is third. But I think you have to remember that how good actually the fourth album is. You know, four out of four, but it, it's still a really good album. Yeah, well, the thing I think it does go third. I actually now I'm thinking about it a bit more, because uh, whilst I think Brother and Victory Lane and, and and the other two songs I mentioned, whilst I think those four songs are among four of Kameda's best songs, I don't necessarily think all the other songs are. So I suppose I'm being slightly swayed by the beauty of those four songs. But yeah, okay, let's put it third. Yes. I don't the album I don't think has quite the strength and depth of the other two albums but we're still talking about the difference between an album that's very good and excellent so I think it's it's just that it has high such high highs but yes probably the average is slightly lower even though it's got those wonderful peaks okay I'm happy with that description okay so we're happy with our ranking here I think so. It's just whether or not what makes it go goes about the genius of. That's the one that I'm just not sure about, as we've talked about. Yeah, I think we can sit and talk about it and we'll keep changing it round and we should just... Yeah, no, no, of course, yeah, absolutely. Stick with what we have. We'll stick with what we have and we will uh, leave it there and then talk around in circles in the outro and probably conclude exactly what we've concluded already. Yeah, that's what we usually do. Yeah. So the final chart is in fourth place, Pop Fasvenska. Yeah, in third place is Coco Memedada. In second place, What Makes It Go. And top is The Genius of Kameda. So here we are a week or so later. How do you now feel? Now you've had time to sit back and reflect and think. How do you feel about our ranking and list for Kameda? Well, I think I tend to go through the same kind of emotions every time we do a list, which is I always go through some kind of doubts, but ultimately come to quite like the list. I think, like, Pasvenska, I kind of had a bit of a quiver because I wanted to put put Borgo in, but Borgo is nearly nine minutes long, so it's probably actually better that we didn't when we went with the Glod or Glud. I can't remember what we said it was called. 
And also thinking about whether we should put more tracks in. But again, if people are interested, they can go seek out the albums anyway. So I think it it is a good list. It's obviously, they're all good songs anyway. And my, my other problem, I suppose, is whether a genius of Gameda or what makes it go should be number one. And I think I've come to terms with genius of Gameda being number one. Although I think in the 90s when we were listening to them, I preferred what makes it go. But I think I have come round to Genius of Komodo and it's probably just just tipping at the top. Yeah, on, on that point, I would agree with you. I, on, in the main podcast, that we, we were umming and ahhing quite a bit about that and we promised to speak talking circles about it in the outro, so here goes. I sort of went round the same thinking of initially when I sort of, I was expecting What Makes It Go to come out top because that had been my favourite album of theirs in the 90s at the time. Uh, although even then it was it was pretty close but yeah i've come to the same conclusion that probably just on balance genius of just sneaks ahead and but my main when you do these things and you and you're preparing to record obviously you have to listen to things quite intensely and really kind of listen properly in order to really understand what you're listening to and really sort of take it in and it was probably the first time i'd really given that much time and attention and effort to coco Meme dada and and perhaps even pop pasvenska they were they were the two albums that i'd listened to so much less so for me, the real revelation was realising just how good they were, especially for me, Coco Meme Dada. And I hadn't realised that at the time. I'd, I'd glossed, glossed over it. Yeah, I've, that's similar. I mean, Coco Meme Dada, I have listened to quite a lot and did really love the album, although it was always a clear third. Um, Pop Pothenska, I've listened to a lot more, because like you say, you do immerse yourself in, in it for quite a bit. And that, I did get into that album a lot more. I think as well... Having spoken to Marcus, he's kind of shown to put some of the music in different light as well, especially Coco Me Me Dada, and also Plan 714 to Comida, and you sort of see where that fits within the changing of the lineup of the band. Yeah, I mean, he put a lot more background around it, so it really sort of helps you appreciate things and understand things as he's sort of talking about the different songs and what they were going through and, you know, how he felt about some of them. Obviously, that influences you as well. And, yeah, Plan 714, again, it's uh, as an EP, I'd only ever really heard it off the Pop Pasvenska reissue. And, um, again, not giving it probably the attention it deserved. So it was really interesting to, to hear about how that was, how they were, you know, after Henrik left and Magnus joined, how they were using that as a kind of a testing bed almost to, to see how they worked without Henrik. Yeah, which brings on to the next item really which is the the extra have you got track. a list of items or something well kind yeah i do in my head anyway okay how many list how many items are there well another one after this okay so two more items okay all right so item number one of two is what well is the extra track which we usually put on and so of course the obvious place is plan 714 to Kameda, the ep they released yeah makes sense yep and i think the, the track one fuego de la vida yeah i guess that's the I guess that's the, the the one to put on, isn't it? It's the strongest track there. I just realised that's almost the, that in Spanish means fire of my life, and I realised they've got the song light of my life on Genius of Comeda. I never actually noticed that those titles were basically identical, just different languages. Yeah, yeah. I think I mean track two is good as well. Herbermore. Well, I think, well, you know, they're they're all good tracks. It's Comeda, but I think the, the Fuego de la Vida is probably the okay. So the, the strongest. So this idea of putting on an extra track just through convention is now starting to just to become a normal thing that we do. And, and, but that has to be an, a track that isn't otherwise on an album. So 
for yeah. the libido. Yeah, that works for me. But I think we have to have a valid reason for it and not just do it for the sake of. Okay. But I think in this case, this this fills that criteria. So okay, so you're saying that this rule has to the, there is a, a caveat to this rule. Yeah, it's not just any old extra track just for the sake of putting an extra track on. Indeed, but most bands do have them, don't they? You should have been a lawyer. You know that. <laughs> you're, you're very good at this. Thank you. Kind words. So Fuego de la Vida makes it onto the list as our extra track because seven one four does have a significance in terms of really helping the band find their feet with with the main sort of creative force of Henrik leaving and them establishing themselves without him. Yeah. Okay. So what's your other point then? Well, my other items to raise was actually, it's more to do with extra tracks really, again, but to do um, just go through some of the things the band members have done since and whether there's anything worth listening to. Okay. Further reading, or further listening really, to be more accurate. So I've, I've traced the... Well, I've done a bit of research on on each each member, so I can't find much for Lena Carlson. There, um, there's three songs I've managed to find. They're, they're all on Spotify. Matthias Norlander didn't seem to do anything that I can find either. He went on to work in IT, didn't he? He became a, a computer yeah, well, engineer. It's what Marcus said, wasn't he? He went on yeah. to be a computer engineer. He was in the band Blythe beforehand, and you can find bits and pieces of Blythe, but that was pre-Comeda. Jonas Holmberg, I can't really find much either. There is some references to Jonas Holmberg, but I'm not... I think there might be more than one of them. More than one Jonas? Yeah, I think so. And there um, appears there to is, be more than one Marcus. Well, yes, that that seems... There's, yes, there's a few. There's worth, there's a footballer as well, I think, called Marcus Holmberg. But he's probably not the one working with the Kaiser Chiefs. No, I, I suspect not. So Jonas, I couldn't find much. That I think he has worked with bands called Top Caps and Hubcaps, who look like the sort of rock and roll rockabilly bands. So, and Henrik Anderson seems to have worked with absolutely loads of different acts and bands. But the band that's kind of more Comeda-like, as in being like an indie pop band, um, are called Ray Wonder. And uh, there's a few tracks of theirs on YouTube, and they're worth listening to. This is the this is the band that's worked with Henrik. Um, Henrik joined the band, I think, after Kameda, or oh. whether he formed the band. But it's a band after Kameda. But they're they are sort of, they're indie pop. I've only listened to about two or three tracks off YouTube, but they they seem quite good and worth investigating. And that leaves Marcus. So there's a few things here. Well, a couple of things. Um, he has a few tracks on uh, SoundCloud under Homebird, which I quite like. Specifically, Are You Glad Now? and Can't Buy Our Love. But Are You Glad Now? I really love. That's Homebird, H-O-L-M-B-I-R-D, Homebird. That's correct. So there's a few tracks on there going back sort of about 10 years, and uh, they're all quite good, but those two are especially sort of light and fit within the sort of indie popness of Kameda. And there's also the band that he mentioned as well called Woodlands, and we'll share a link to that album on social media. But that, that album's really, really good. I really like that. And that, that's, it's not the same as Kameda at all, but it is within the sort of indie pop genre. Yeah, I saw a bit of Woodlands on uh, YouTube as well, and they sound really good. I'd really like to hear more from them, really. But they don't seem to be really pushing hard at it. It just seems to be a bit of fun that they do, really. So it's, so it's not that easy to, to find much about them. Their website's quite out of date, and, um, you know, they did something like only 300 pressings of their album, which are 
you know, and it's from nearly 10 years ago. So not that easy to get hold of this stuff. No, it's. I think it's from about eight years ago, the album. But I have got the CD now. Oh, have you? Yeah, but it is on, and the vinyl, actually, because <laughs> it was quite cheap. Where did you get it? Uh, Discogs. Yeah, send me a link, would you? Uh, okay. It's also, the, the album is on Spotify as well, so you yeah. can listen to the album there. Is it the one that starts with Move Forward? That's it, yeah. So that's it, that's all my items, really. Okay, so well, I don't have any items. I don't do items. Well, you know, I like to add a little bit of um, value to our podcast, if possible. Well, let's end it there then. So that's Kameda. Maybe a new band to a lot of people, but really worth investigating. And um, look out for the links to things like Woodlands and the other stuff. And we will separately release the full Marcus Holmberg interview if for real fans that want to listen to it and actually get some proper information on Kameda. 